Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Hello, this is John Spear, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.guru, and welcome to another episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to have one of our new breed medical device companies and able to feature them. With me, I have Alexei Mladenov. He is with Surgical Innovation Associates and a first-time journey through the medical device product development process. So I hope you enjoy the few minutes that I have to chat with Alexei and hear some of the stories and the challenges that they're going through and how they're just kicking ass in the process of tackling everything that comes their way. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, the founder and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight.guru, John Spear. And today we are continuing our series on the new breed of medical device companies. And I have a wonderful guest with me today, Alexei Mladenov with Surgical Innovation Associates, also known as SIA. Alexei, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, John. Well, Alexei, the the world is dying to know. Tell us a little bit about Surgical Innovation Associates, a little bit about what you're doing and and talk a little bit about your background and your team's background and, and how you got to where we are today. Yeah, absolutely. Surgical Innovation Associates is very much a, a for-surgeon, by-surgeon company, kind of as the name suggests. And so uh, what, what I guess our, our core focus is taking to market a clinically superior and more cost-effective means of soft tissue support in a, in a variety of procedures, both reconstructive and, and cosmetic. Uh, so a lot of work in both the general and plastic surgical spaces. And our, our first product, which actually uh, is kind of pretty steadily coming to fruition now, uh, is a transient uh, soft tissue support scaffold or mesh made of uh, bioabsorbable synthetic material. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been awesome to, to be a part of your journey, even, you know, from a bit of a distance, but to kind of see that, I mean, and it's, uh, in my career in this space, I've worked with a lot of, of physician inventors, but, but very few have, who have really taken the bull by the horns uh, like you have. So for me, that's been pretty awesome to see how you've just taken a hold of this. You, you go into this with the learners, at least from my perspective, from a learner's mindset, you realize there's a lot of things that you don't know, but you're a student and you're willing to figure out what it is that you need to know understand what the obstacles are in front of you, and then you just tackle it full steam ahead. I, I love that. Absolutely. And I, I think that's a, it's an important part of, of all of our mentalities uh, here on the team, both full-time employees and uh, advisors, mentors, my co-founder. Uh, it, it's just really important to uh, not just know what you don't know, but be willing to go uh, figure it out yeah. as a yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I'm always curious as to, you know, kind of what led inventors and entrepreneurs to, to, you know, take that next step. Cause that's, I mean, that, forgive me, but the idea is easy sometimes, right? It's, it's going and executing on that idea that's hard. And, 
you know, you must have felt enough pain uh, as a surgeon dealing with these sorts of issues that became challenging. So what was the trigger? No, absolutely. So I, um, in the interest of, of full disclosure, I am not the inventor of our first product. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, my friend, uh, mentor, and kind of leading thinker in, in plastic surgery was the one that, that invented this device. And it was in my role, actually, as a, as a student. At the time, I was an MD, MBA student at Northwestern. That, that's, that's what led me on, onto this project, uh, having done years of work with him, uh, having kind of faith in, in that experience uh, of the problems that are out there and of, of uh, the now patented solution. So that's kind of the impetus that carried me kind of through uh, to, to the point that after business school, I said, you know, instead of, instead of uh, finishing up clinically, uh, I will put that off for the moment and kind of take this idea and, and make it a reality in the hands of, of surgeons everywhere. Yeah. It, it was also along that pathway that my stellar colleague, uh, Todd Krushank, who has about 10 years of, of industry experience, yeah. and Baxter and then Baxalta, uh, joined the team. And, uh, and and we basically made up the the core management for, for what is now a kind of multi-product company that's moving right along. Yeah, that's cool. And you know, you, uh, you and Todd, we've uh, obviously the Greenlight team. We've had a, a lot of interactions with you. I know you've worked pretty closely with our customer success team in a number of areas. But you know, again, it's that spirit that you've approached this. I mean, there's you're entering into a product space that, at least from my little bit of knowledge about, there it's a little crowded in some respects, but it's not very well. There's not been, in my opinion, again, hasn't been super innovative or super creative on the solutions and and i'm sure in that respects that that's pretty exciting for you guys absolutely i mean having having this great idea to to run with that is you know conceived in the operating room mm-hmm. uh, by someone who witnesses the, the both clinical and cost related problems every day in this space is, is just an unparalleled opportunity yeah um, so it's it's exciting to have something that's differentiated, you know, in multiple ways. Uh, see that you know this industry does have a lot of hand-to-hand kind of combat amongst uh, <laughs> sales, but yeah. at the same time, there, there is room for for something, and there is a calling for for something like uh, like our first product, the, yeah. the tissue matrix. Yeah, that's cool, and I can imagine when. I think we um, got connected pretty early on in, in your journey into this med device <laughs> adventure, right? That's right. Uh, one of your other stellar clients, Dan Holton. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah connected that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Dan, Dan's with Cypher Medical. They're, I mean, he's, he's killing it right now. They're doing fantastic work. I guess I probably shouldn't use killing and discussion about <laughs> devices. Let's say he's crushing it right now in a good way. So. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. With with the caveat, it's, it's probably okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was Dan that introduced us because we were. Uh, he's actually in a similar space in terms of the the kind of aesthetic, implantable surgical device arena, and uh, we were on on the search for not only a quality system, but uh, for for information on what exactly a quality system is. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what that's what led us ultimately to your doorstep. It yeah. must be eight long months ago, something <laughs> like that. Uh, 
it's, it's funny, like everybody knows that they want to bring a product, a, a quality product to market, but that quality is with a lowercase Q. Yeah. So few people know anything about quality with an uppercase Q, which is obviously what I count myself among those people. And it, it's, uh, you know, with greenlight.guru that, that I've slowly tried to bring myself in, into the other bucket of people that, that kind of understand what that means uh, and, and why it's important. And I, I know Todd also has just taken a lot from, from this, this journey. It's kind of been, it's not just a, for, for someone I, I imagine that has a lot of experience in this space, it's a passive implementational kind of thing. But for uh, us as people that are new to this startup medical device world, it's very much an instructive and strategic thing. Yeah, and and you said it's been uh, eight months. I mean, I can remember the first call like it was yesterday when when we first got connected. And you know, from that first conversation that I had with you and with Todd, it was just you approach it from a different perspective, you know. And that's one of the things that that I want to try to. I hope the the listeners to, to this podcast uh, pick up on that because you and Todd have have you come into this saying, Hey, we don't know what we don't know. And getting a little bit of guidance and direction from, from us and from your other advisors and the other people that you're working with. And then you go and figure it out, you know, and that's, for me, that's been awesome uh, to kind of see. And and I, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that. I mean, is that just the way you were born? Is that how you were wired? Or is that something you picked up through your education process? I mean, what, what tips and tricks can you provide to other entrepreneurs and inventors and, and other startups out there who are trying to do the same sort of thing? What is it about you that, and you don't have to be modest. I know you want to be, but you don't have to be. What, what is it that, that makes you tick? How do you go about life this way that, that makes you just a little bit different than, than the common startup that's out there? I, I appreciate that. I'm uh, it's a good thing. This isn't a video because I'm blushing. I guess I would say, so I'd say it's a hard question to answer and a good one, uh, perhaps perhaps the, beyond the level of introspection of which I'm capable. I think certainly the education system in which we grew up has a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, coming from the scientific curiosity of medicine, going to the kind of strategic, broad thinking at, at, at Kellogg, at Northwestern, it definitely gives you uh, a toolbox for how to think about things and, and understanding that uh, the fact that you don't know something or that you have never done something is not equivalent to not being able to do it uh, or not being able to know it. Sure. So I'm sure there is some degree of upbringing in that equation also in sure. case mom's listening or something. Hello, mom and dad. <laughs> I, I certainly acknowledge that, you know, the, the, the nature and, and nurture thing that yeah. comes into play. But overall, yeah, I, I, I would just say to anyone either in this position, uh, far beyond this position of, of which there are many, or perhaps kind of considering jumping into something like this, that pretty much everything in life can be figured out with the appropriate amount of work and, uh, thought and when appropriate or requests for help from people that know what they're doing. 
Yeah. I think that's pretty insightful. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, my upbringing is similar. I, you know, had a, a very blue collar upbringing and, you know, my dad and my mom both taught me hard work pays off and it certainly does. But, you know, one of the things I've learned throughout my life uh, is sometimes it's okay to ask when you don't know. And, and sometimes there are people who are out there that can help you uh, that are willing to, to be a resource for you. And, um, and, you know, so it sounds like you've, you've had similar sorts of experiences. I want to dive a little bit more into this big Q quality versus little Q quality. And let's, let's peel back some layers to that. Now, little Q quality, I, I think anybody that's passionate about what you're doing and passionate about your device or the product or the, the issue that you're trying to solve from a medical perspective, we're, we're, I think we're all pretty ingrained with this little Q quality. That's just got to be part and parcel to what we're doing. But you said something. Yeah, I like the hope that there are very few people that say, you know, I, I want to bring a, a subpar uh, medical device to market or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out here. Yeah. I'm out here to take mediocrity and, you know, put it in surgical hands everywhere. That's, yeah. that's probably not, not so much the goal. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it is either. So I think let's just make an assumption that the most everyone who's in this space is there's someone at least somewhere in that organization that's very concerned about little Q quality. But you said something about the big Q quality was, was maybe, um, we'll say an aha or something that wasn't quite obvious when you first started this journey. Let's talk a little bit about that. And, and, and can you share a little bit about how you even came up? I mean, you mentioned Dan, obviously Dan uh, Holton at Cyprus, uh, you know, t- talking to you and suggesting some things, but there's, there had to be something else along the way that was maybe thrilling or maybe frustrating in this journey with that big Q quality. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to because it's this is this is one of the uh, failures of others that we got to learn from instead of failures of ourselves, and th- those are the best kind, you know. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. So I, I can tell you that our concern about this kind of mystic, ambiguous quality system thing and how it pertains to, you know, the development and ultimately the clearance of our device. Those concerns started years ago, actually, before the product was even conceived. Uh, And they started with another company that one of our close mentors and advisors was involved in, kind of a motley crew of underground entrepreneurs uh, like like ourselves, uh, certainly, who brought a stellar device to market and had a, a deal in place with a large medical device manufacturer for, for distribution licensing that ultimately uh, was, was uh, rated, uh, you know, by the Navy wind blake breakers emblazoned with yellow FDA letters in this NCS style oh, wow. raid, basically to find to find what you might call in this political climate uh, an alternative quality system. <laughs> okay, and uh, you can imagine that that didn't that didn't end well at the time for for that company. Although they had a great device, a lowercase Q quality device. Uh, the, the quality system didn't actually support market entry. And now that company is actually doing great. And it's doing great because it was taken over by a sharp CEO. Yeah. And one who, you know, not only is sharp, but 
has a 10 plus year background in quality and regulatory for both large and small medical device manufacturers. So you can you can see the shift there and that their current success is is very much one of turning around that aspect of their business. And so mm-hmm. having having learned that lesson fortunately anecdotally rather than personally, it was just something that we wanted to get right but didn't even understand uh, you know 8 or 9 months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a those those stories where and those experiences where you can live somewhat vicariously and see what somebody else has done and not have to make that mistake, those are certainly valuable. And it's good that you were able to pick up on that without having to go through that kind of pain and suffering. All right. So we've been at this or we've had a relationship with you now, as you mentioned, for several months. So share with me maybe what's something that's been one of your biggest frustrations through this process. Has something come to mind? Or maybe surprise, maybe frustration isn't isn't the right word, but something that's been surprising to you. Has there been something that that's that sticks out? You know, I think that those two maybe there there's some degree of frustration that has tacked on maybe a pleasant surprise in retrospect. And I think that comes from our initial lack of understanding of what a quality system is and how it interfaces with your product development how it interfaces with your plans for testing and and ultimately helped us a lot. And, and that's happened in multiple ways. I mean, if you just take, take one example, let's say, of uh, the risk matrix and like, you know, what is a risk matrix, right? It's this thing where you, you grade these hazards and they go all the way downstream to patient harms and you link them through these foreseeable events and, and then you ultimately have to right, grade them on um, probability and severity. And it, it all seems very bureaucratic, I guess is a good word for it. Sure. Uh, at the face of it, you know, coming, obviously coming as it just from the clinical side um, and, and then having to kind of think through what seem to be obvious situations but then assign somewhat arbitrary numbers to them and things like this, right? It, sure. It seemed initially like something that was just a frustration that needed to be done for documentation purposes. Right. But it needed to be done, A. So that, that's, that's, that's one good thing about, about this. But B, it turned into a very useful exercise, I think, against my own expectations. And that's because along the, the pathway to, to forming that risk matrix, and there were legitimate concerns raised about the types of packaging that we chose and what might happen to them under specific sorts of environmental conditioning. And um, it led to us circling back to our, our subcontractor um, to get some more specs on that and, and do a little bit of stress testing sure. uh, just to make sure ultimately that uh, when, when we when we go to production, we don't get a, a nasty surprise. And so mm-hmm. what started off as, you know, a seemingly bureaucratic check the box kind of exercise turned into something that somewhat guided product development. And I think that happens with many parts of the quality system. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. Well, and, and thank you for sharing that story. And, and as you were sharing that, I was thinking, well, this is a, this example that you're sharing with the audience is, it's certainly a place where 
little Q quality and big Q quality collide in a good way, right? Exactly. And, and I guess to go a little bit further, I mean, as, as you were sharing that story, because I think a lot, of, a lot of companies, whether they've done this before or haven't done this before, they, they look at quality, big Q quality and quality management system and risk management, design control, all these things you have to do is sometimes they lump that in the bucket of pain and suffering and bureaucratic and overly burdensome and all those sorts of things. But when you have that experience of where you can see that the activity and you go into it with that learner's mindset, like you and Todd have done so well, you go into it realizing, Hey, there's got to be a purpose behind this. And then you see, Oh wow, this will help me determine what I need to do from a testing standpoint, or Hey, this helps me figure out, I need to add this sort of design feature, or maybe we need to do this or that. It helps guide and improve your overall product. Then that's, you know, that seems like a bit of an aha moment or, or a green light maybe pop, <laughs> popped uh, uh, alive over your head, something like that. Yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely the case. And I, like I said, it's not only been the case specifically with risk management, nor has it been the case specifically with packaging. It's really, it's, it's really been true across our kind of design and development phases and, and all the, the active, related activities that we've done. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, Alexa, you know, last few minutes of our of our discussion today, you know, I want to, I just want to applaud what SIA is doing and the, I think the speed in which you're doing it. It's for me again. It's I've been doing this a while. I've I've brought a lot of products to market, and the the fact that you and Todd are able to, and the rest of the SIA team, I know it's you've got a whole wealth of resources that you're tapping into. The speed in which you're doing this is, for me, impressive. I mean, from our first conversation to now, eight months later, where you are and in that process with the product that you have, that it's a, let's be real, it's a complicated uh, device. It's got a lot of things going on with it. There's a lot of testing and performance and all these sorts of things that are certainly going to be a factor with that. But you're marching very quickly toward your first 510K. So tell toot your own horn a little bit. Tell me about your path to market and what you see in the, the near-term future and maybe a little bit longer beyond you know, that initial lens, where things are going and, and how things you see them progressing from a, from a process perspective. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, we are relatively near our first 510K submission. Uh, although it doesn't feel that way, you know, in the time horizon of a medical device company, uh, we're, we're certainly getting there and that's, that's exciting. So kind of in a similar fashion to the way that I talked about the circular iterative kind of feedback cycle between the quality system work and our product development work, there's been a feedback cycle between the surgeons who we speak to, who have advised us who have invested in us both both time and money and and there's been a, a feedback cycle between their enthusiasm and their ideas about what we're doing and follow on products so at, at this point at this point we we have a product that's very similar to the currently developed one uh, but for kind of slightly different clinical and surgical scenarios and we have one that's that's dissimilar but has some portfolio synergies uh, in the aesthetic space. And I won't talk too much about those two products 
for reasons you can understand. But, you know, long story short, part of that feedback cycle has now left us with not one, but three products that if fundraising and regulatory stepping stones uh, fall into place appropriately, can all go into market kind of consecutively next year, which is obviously very exciting. It positions us to either be the start of a kind of standalone company uh, in this space or potentially pursue a licensing deal with either a large strategic who might be able to use these products in their bag uh, or a smaller company that perhaps has biologic products and, and might realize, again, some of that portfolio synergy of, of being able to also have a synthetic product offering. We're, we're going to evaluate those opportunities as they come uh, and as our kind of regulatory and, and product milestones allow for. Sure. I mean, for me, yeah, I, I love that approach. And I think that's that's why I, I view uh, SIA as one of these new breed of medical device companies. And let me summarize that by saying you're figuring out how to get things done. Uh, you're, you see what the obstacles are. You figure out how to tackle those obstacles. You leverage your resources. You tap into new resources as needed, but you're all about trying to get that first product to market. And I love what you said at the beginning about being a product for surgeons by surgeons. I mean, that's so key. You've got your finger on the pulse of the end user and you're using that end user to guide and direct the strategic direction of your business so that, you know, it's just get the first product out there, get it into the hands of the end users. And at the same time, innovate and evolve your product offering so that you know you're you've got multiple options and and issues and clinical needs that you're addressing and solving and you're you're just iterating and learning iterating learning and man it's exciting to to work with companies that have that sort of mindset so you know thank you for uh, I love the opportunity that that we have at Greenlight to be able to work with Surgical Innovation Associates. So thank you for that. And we love working with you. So <laughs> we uh, appreciate everything you do. And thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Any parting words that you want to share with our listeners before we wrap things up today? Yeah, I, I guess let's try to how to quite phrase this. I guess I, I don't know the audience composition. And far be it from me to proselytize about my views on entrepreneurship being in my young and relatively inexperienced position. But I think this is relevant to, to your listener base as greenlight.guru and to many people that are in universities maybe thinking about doing something like this. I guess I'd, I'd say that in, in a stage that's as early as, as SIA is, you know, we might start our days as accountants and be lawyers by noon. And then, you know, Todd might be an engineer making 3D prints and I'm a researcher taking microscopy photos. And by the time we convene at the end of the day is basically beggars. And, and of course, by beggars, I mean, dressing like you have millions of dollars uh, to meet your dinner guests. Uh, whom you hope will just give you a couple grand. <laughs> um, so, so you can hit the next milestone. And I think a, a big part of that is, is this idea of being lean and just 
as efficient as possible with where you put your capital. You know, the notion of, of virtual companies in the medical device space seemed ridiculous a few years ago. But because of you know, cloud-based platforms like Greenlight.Guru, because of experts like you and, and like Jessica Lyons, who I have to give a shout out to, because she's an awesome part of your team, the notion of a virtual company and, and being able to bring a lowercase and uppercase Q quality product to market with just a, a, a shop with just a, a couple people and, and a lot of expertise supporting them, it's not impossible. And I just think that's that's an important lesson for people that are that have an idea and maybe and are thinking about what they can do with it, but might might be misguided in, in thinking that to hit some early milestones they need millions of dollars. Well, that's great advice and uh and it certainly speaks to the entrepreneurial spirit that you and Todd and the Surgical Innovation Associates team uh, has. So I want to thank uh, Alexei Mladenov for being my guest today on the Global Medical Device Podcast. Do go out and check out what Surgical Innovation Associates is doing. I know some of it's clandestine and not necessarily available, but do pay attention because I firmly believe that the SIA team will be changing the surgical world here very soon. So Alexei, thank you. And for those of you like Alexei or you know, who are interested in figuring out a better way to manage your big Q quality management system, certainly go to greenlight.guru, make a request. We'd be happy to talk to you about our platform, the services that we provide, and would love to share uh, in your journey in bringing your medical device to market as well. Hey, once again, this has been John Spear, your host, founder, and VP of quality and regulatory at greenlight.guru. And this has been the Global Medical Device Podcast.